Natural signs and wonders and miracles. You, you are able to do things beyond human ability. And one of the gifts of the Spirit that comes on you when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit is what we call word knowledge. And what that is, is God tells you about something in a person's life that you could not know otherwise. And very often we get words of knowledge for healing. So in other words, God tells us about a sickness or some problem in someone's life. And then he doesn't just tell us to, so that we look fantastically wise. He tells us because he has an intention to heal or set that thing right. So these, these are two people from our prophetic team. Hera runs our prophetic team. So I'm going to invite you to go ahead. Who's going first? Ladies first. Good morning. Um, so the word of knowledge I got was bones. Um, and the Lord was saying that these specifically small bones in the hands and feet these people who are battling to keep their balance because of the bones in their feet that's or skew or damaged and gets pain in their hands. But then the Lord showed me a bubble to say that it's expanding, that we can invite him into the bones of ourselves. So it's a two-way thing. So if there's anyone who has, the, has pain or problems with their hands and their feet bones, the Lord is, is wanting to heal that this morning and more. So is there anyone here who has pain, any kind of arthritis pain in your hands or your feet? Is there anyone here that has that? Fantastic. Anyone else at the back there? Awesome. Can we give the Lord a hand? Chad, I'm going to invite you to go to the back and those two people who raised your hands, if you would just follow Chad and she's going to pray for you and believe for a miracle in that area for you. Uh, hi, guys. Uh, morning, morning. I just, I have... A word for the gentleman in the, is it the purple hoodie? Great. Yes. Uh, hi. I just sense that the Lord is, He's calling you back to a place of, uh, to a place of uh, where you guys get to to spend time together, and He reveals your heart, because you've been struggling to find out like, God, is this really worth it? Is this really, you know, is it worth my time coming here? And, and God has been pursuing you like your entire life and you've almost come to the end of the road with regards to like avoiding the conversation. And I just feel like God is gonna show you like the royalty that he has placed in you. And from there, he, you're gonna just expand and that will go into your family, into your friends, into your work. And there's just the newness in you. And I guess God is just calling you and telling you like, just stop, listen to me and this is how we're going forward. And Yes, and the, the healing word that I got is, there's a lot of, can I say emotional pain? That, okay. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> emotional pain that people are feeling in their hearts, and, and it's from disappointment from expectations that people had, and it didn't come to pass. And I'm just sensing God is saying that, guys, stay at my feet. I, I still have this. Everything is still under control. There's, like, there's nothing that has been taken away like I didn't miss anything and I feel this is a general message for for the church to remain faithful to remain faithful and to wait on God thank you can we give the Lord a hand yeah you did give him a hand give him more of a hand Lord we just pray for anyone who has experienced disappointment 
in the last little while, Lord God, and their heart is, has, is feeling it, and there's some aspect where they just, they're having a hard time standing up again and, and believing again. And Father God, I ask for a gift of faith in all of their lives, Lord. Right now, I just pray into that area and declare, Lord God, that good is on the way for these people, that God has not forgotten you. There is a future and a hope for you, that you are standing on the brink of greatness. I hear the Lord saying this, you are standing on the brink of greatness. Do not pull back, for I indeed have called you for this. And this disappointment is nothing compared to the victory that is on the way. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We receive that right now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Awesome. So we are, we are going to, I'm actually going to preach a word that I shared at the Build Conference with you. The reason that I'm going to do that is I, I felt like it was a, a word in season. It was something that we, we needed as a church also to hear. And I know not many of you were down there at the Build Co Conference, but you will remember right at the beginning of uh, the book of Acts, how the church was waiting. Jesus had left to go, to go up to be with his heavenly father. He had told them to wait in Jerusalem. They did wait in Jerusalem. And as they were all together praying, the spirit of God came upon them. You'll remember how it talked about tongues of fire were on their head, that they began to speak in other tongues. Peter had to stand up before all of Jerusalem and say, these are not drunk as you suppose, but they are filled with the Holy Spirit. This, this is that which the prophet Joel spoke about that he would pour out his spirit on all flesh. This was the promise that God had made Israel, that they would, they would not just have super duper prophets here and there that would carry the spirit, but every single person, man, woman, and child, would carry the presence of God. And at Pentecost, this happened in power in the church, and after that, it says 3,000 were added to the church in one go, which is just absolutely amazing. I don't know how you handle that harvest. I don't know how you have enough leaders for that. I think you just uh, sit back and say, okay, God, it's your church. But just this amazing demonstration of God's love in that city. Soon after that, um, we read about various persecutions that happened. And we read about some troubles in the church. The church began to get more and more people from different nationalities in them. They were all Jewish, but they were coming from different parts. And disputes rose and people said, oh, we, our widows are not being fed while yours are. So it was a little bit of a, a chaotic, st stressful situation. And the apostles appointed seven men to feed the widows, and to take care of the financial provision of the church. One of these men was Stephen. And I actually want to talk to you about him. That he was a man that had gone through this time of the Pentecost, of the pouring out of the Spirit. He had experienced these fantastic manifestations of the Spirit. He's not a very well-known man, and certainly in the Bible, there's a very small window where we actually see him spoken about. He's spoken about his feeding the widows, and then he's spoken about his death. It's like a very, very short window. But it says some fantastic things in Acts 6 about Stephen. First of all, it says, it says that he was a man of faith 
and filled with the Holy Spirit. He was man marked with the conviction that God is who he says he is. And a man absolutely expectant that God was going to do what he says he would do. And that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then it goes on and it says that he was filled with grace and power. And that he did miraculous signs and wonders. Now, guys, you must understand, this wasn't one of the apostles. This was an ordinary, everyday member of the church that had been chosen because of his faithfulness to watch over tables. And yet it says that, that he was one that signs, wonders, and miracles were following him. Yeah. That there was a grace upon him to see these things happen. Now why this is so important, because it speaks of a church where it wasn't just a few doing the fun things. Right. You know, it speaks of a church where every single person had received from God His presence and was confident that as they moved out in their Christianity, as they stepped out and shared with their neighbors about what had gone in, God had done in their life, as they stepped out in their environments to tell people about what they knew about Jesus, which sometimes wasn't much, that God would answer with signs, wonders, and miracles. And I guess I'm covetous that we would be those kind of people, that God would raise up a church of Stephens, that even you who think, oh my word, I, don't need, I only know two scriptures and I only know them kind of. I, I want to say to you, guys, it's not about how much you know, it's about who you know. Right. And as you press into him, he will bring about you being able to know what you need to know for every situation you are yeah. faced with. Yeah. It goes on and it says about Stephen, he was then... <sighs> He started speaking to some of his friends in a particular synagogue. He was a Greek Jew, believe it or not, and he began to speak to his friends in this Greek synagogue, and they began to get really angry with him. And, and as they argued with him, it says this, that they could not refute the wisdom that was on him. Yes. So he's a man of the Holy Spirit, seeing signs and wonders, a boldness on him to share his face. At the same time, a wisdom upon him that could not be refuted. Yes. How many of you want to carry that into your workplaces? Sure. How many of you want to have a wisdom that no one can refute? That when you speak, they say, oh my word, that's right. I, I, can't, I can't argue against that. And the last thing it says about him before uh, we begin the story that I'm actually going to tell you about is that it says, and when they looked at him, they saw the face of an angel. Yeah. Now, I don't, haven't particularly seen a face of an angel. So I don't know what it looks like, but I want to tell you this story. I was in a restaurant in Cape Town recently, and I got a word of knowledge just like this for one of the waitresses. And I started sharing it with her and telling her that God had a future and a plan for her and that God was, God was coming to step into her world. And you know, as we shared and we talked a little bit and I'd, I'd, I'd then used that opportunity to share a bit about Jesus, she looked at me and she said, today an angel walked in to this restaurant. So what she was talking about, she was talking about me, and I know I don't look like an angel, but what she was saying was that 
The message we carry transforms us from merely human messengers into supernatural beings that bring the, the revelation of victory, overcoming, breakthrough, transformation to the world around us and to the people around us who hear that message, who need to hear that very thing. Indeed, our faces look like that of angels. So Lord, I want to pray that we would be a church like this. We would be a church full of Stevens, Lord God. Father God, I, I want to ask that every one of us would be the kind of people that have received your presence like this so that we serve with diligence, so that we carry faith and conviction so that, Father God, as we move out, signs, wonders, and miracles follow us. I pray that we would have a wisdom upon us that is impossible to refute. I pray that we would carry a message that would open the hearts of people to the revelation of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So we're going to begin the story in Acts 7. And I've told you all the great part. Now, there, now there's a little bit of a, a more difficult part. It starts in verse 54, and it says this. When, when they heard this, sorry, I'm just going to check something. When they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him, they, at Stephen, who's, who's now been sharing the gospel. with. He's been brought before the Sanhedrin, and he's sharing the truth that Israel has, in fact, rejected their Messiah. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At that, this they covered their ears and yelled at the top of their voices. They all rushed at him, dragging him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Now, my prayer is absolutely that not one of us would die for our faith. Really, I pray that we would never be in a place where we are persecuted to the, to the place where we have to give our lives for our faith. But my prayer is also this. If any one of us do face that situation, that we would. That we would be the kind of people that no matter what we face, we would stand firm in our faith. That no matter what persecution, no matter what difficulties, that we would be the kind of people that would say like Stephen, we will stand to the end in this truth that we know. We sang that song right at the beginning where it talks about we will not conform. And that was talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who refused to bow to the idols of their age. And they said, well, you know what? If God rescues us, great. If he doesn't rescue us, we are still not going to bow to these idols. Throw us in the fire. And we know how the story went is that while they were in the fire, people looked and they said, did we not throw three men in there? But now there are four walking around.
I don't know. I just really like the thought of seeing Jesus and having him walk around with me. I'm always tempted to jump in a fire just to have that. But imagine what it was like for them standing in that blazing furnace, not having the flames able to even touch them. Have you been close to a fire? Can you imagine being in that? Those flames not even able to touch them. And then the most glorious being of all creation comes and stands in the fire with you. At that moment, you're saying, thank you, Lord, that I didn't bow. And I, I want us to be the kind of people that are prepared to press through the obstacles of life to see the glory of Jesus on the other side, to walk into the difficult places so that we can see Jesus walking with us. So we can be the kind of people that walk into broken homes, into difficult work situations, because we know that when we come in, we step purposefully into them because we know when we come in, Jesus comes in with us. And there is always a solution and there's always a way out. And part of that solution is our being there. So I want to be this kind of person. I really do. I want to be this kind of person. And I want us all to be this kind of person, this kind of Christian. And when I watch the death of Stephen, something in my heart looks at those words he said. You know, at the last moment when he's facing the most terrible time in his life, those things that he cries out, reveal his heart. And I feel like some of these words will help us in understanding what it means to be this kind of person. So the first thing that he said was, he said, look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. How was he able to ensure that? He was able to endure it because he was looking past the crowds that were scorning him, gnashing their teeth, covering their ears, throwing stones. He was looking past the anger and the resentment and he was looking right into heaven and he was seeing something spectacular. He wasn't just seeing Jesus sitting there, but he was seeing Jesus in victory. He was seeing a victory that is so great, that is so all-encompassing, that is so beyond human experience, that when he saw that, he was able to say, but that is what I have. Everything around me now pales in comparison to that. What he had was a spirit-empowered vision. A spirit-empowered ability to see beyond the natural, to see what God's revelation for the environment was, to see God's heart for the environment, to see God's truth in the midst of danger and difficulty and hardship. Colossians 2 says this, 
He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public, public spectacle over them, triumphing over them by the cross. You know, when, when he was standing there and he was looking up and seeing Jesus, he was seeing more than just a picture. He was seeing a victory so great. He was seeing the fact that the perfect being of Jesus Christ, love personified, stood there on the slave market where we had sold our souls, where we had sold our souls to the highest bidder for money, for prestige, for someone to love us, where we had stood there and sold out. He saw that perfect being stand in that slave market and say, take me, set them free, take me. And he'd seen, he'd seen Jesus dragged down. But I don't know if he was there and he actually saw the, what happened on the cross. But if he didn't, he at least was hearing the stories and the, of the pain and the agony of what Jesus went through. And at the same time, he knew this. that Jesus walked into the devil's house. He looked at every chain, every bondage, every heartache, every pain, every disease that humanity carried. He looked it straight in the eye and said, no more. And then he marched out of that place, leading every captive in a train of victory. He walked out of there free. He sold himself in our place and then defeated the devil in his own home. And walked out there free and saying, no more, no more bondage, no more, no more pain. And this is what blows me away. The Bible says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you and me. Listen to me. It's so great. It means that inside of us is dwelling a resurrection power that bursts chains, that throws off pain, that demolishes oppression, that causes us to rise up in victory, strength, and power with wisdom, might, the ability to, to walk through situations victorious, Amen. knowing what to say, knowing how to act, knowing how to love. Stephen was seeing something, a victory so big, so great, so worth dying for, so worth giving your life for. He was seeing something so enormous. And though those stones were flying at him, he wasn't feeling that he was seeing the victory that would come from his sacrifice. He was seeing a victory that brought us full access to God's presence. I, I don't know if this is possible for us to fully understand that there is now no longer any barrier between us and God. Nothing, nothing. The only barrier between you and Jesus is the barrier that you choose to put there through your unbelief. This is a happy day. <laughs> this is a happy day. Access 
to all of who God is. You know what I especially love about the scripture you have up there, Joshua 3, 15 to 16. Andrew shared about how uh, Egypt is a type of the world and the Exodus, the Israel coming out of Egypt, going through that Red Sea, was a type of us being born again into the kingdom, being baptized and brought into our promised lands. It was like a story. It was a true thing that happened, but it was meant to mirror our journey into our promised land. What amazes me is about when, when the Israelites came out of Egypt, there was one man in power who stretched out his staff and he opened that body of water that was standing as an obstacle between them and their freedom. And they walked through on dry land. Moses was a savior that set them free. But when they came into their promised land, it was something completely different. There was also a body of water that prevented them from coming into the promises of God. And it wasn't one man that stood there and opened the water. Do you remember how they got across the Jordan? The priests carried the ark into, they stepped into the raging water and the water parted and the priest stood with the ark of the covenant, the symbol of God's covenant between us and him through Jesus Christ in the middle of that water. And as long as they stood there, that water stopped and the whole nation walked through on dry land. And I want to say this to you, that, that you know, when we get born again, maybe it's because one person shared something with us. It's like, like an individual experience between us and God. But to walk into our promised land, to walk into the fullness of what God has for us, we will have to do it together in covenant with Jesus. We'll have to walk in all together, step into that water, and together stand our ground and say, this is what God has given us. This is who we are. This is his promises. This is what he wants to do on earth. And we will have to do it shoulder to shoulder as a church, as a people, as an uncompromised family. And Stephen was looking and seeing these incredible victories in Jesus. He was seeing a changed world. You know, when Jesus was baptized in Mark 1, perhaps you've heard the story. It says, the heavens were torn and the Holy Spirit came and settled on him like a dove. You can go and read it for yourself there in Mark 1 verse 10. A similar kind of phrasing is used when he was crucified. In Mark 15, it says that as he gave up his spirit and he actually died, the temple of the court, of the, the curtain of the temple that divided the place where the presence of God dwelt from the place that people could go was torn into. Yeah. Using that same word. And I want to propose to you that Jesus' body tore the veil, tore the barrier between God and man. Yes. And I want to propose to you that that God came roaring through that rupture. Like, like the Holy Spirit sitting, settling on Jesus, the Holy Spirit came roaring onto this earth to say, mine, mine, and all mine. 
that Jesus' death and resurrection was much more than just about your salvation. That Jesus' death and resurrection and the victory that he won was about God getting his world back. God taking up residence as king of this earth. That all, all the scriptures, the prophets, all of the history of Israel had led to this one moment where God would come into his temple on earth, which is mankind, and rule and reign through his people in a way that the entire creation would bow and say, the Lord, you are God. Where the entire creation would be brought into right order, right standing, right living, wholeness again through the living and breathing presence of God in his people. And when you see a vision like that, you stand your ground. The next, so the question I guess I want to ask you is, what do you see? When you face your issues, what do you see? What's the things that comes to your mind? Oh my, things are going to be so bad. Do you, are you seeing pictures of your own failure? Are you seeing pictures of disaster? And I want to say, let's just stop that. Let's look up to heaven and let's see a victory that is so complete, that is so glorious, that is so all-encompassing, that is for each and every one of us. Let's change where we are looking. And let's stand our ground. Whatever the world throws at me, I can see the future. I can see the victory. I know what has been done. I know who's with me. Therefore, I stand. Therefore, I stand. The next thing he said is, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. In essence, what he was saying is that he knew where his home was. He knew where he belonged. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit had empowered a sense of belonging in him that was unshakable. There's a story I heard. I don't know if it's a true story, but it's a really great story, so I'm going to go ahead and tell it. But there was this missionary who was out in the mission field and he had been there for a long time. It was before the time of planes. So he came home on this great big uh, uh, liner ship and he was coming into the harbor of his home. And on the ship, there was also a regiment of soldiers that had been fighting a war in the land where he had been a missionary in. And they were coming back and as they got off the boat, um, the regiment of soldiers walked down the gangplank gang on either side. There were crowds shouting and cheering and throwing those bits of confetti and there were bands playing and everyone welcoming this group of soldiers as heroes. And the soldiers disappeared into the distance with loved ones and celebrations. And this man picked up his little suitcase and he walked down the gangplank. And there was no one on the left and there was no one on the right and there was dead silence. And his heart dropped and he said, God, I've been giving my whole life for you. And there's no one to welcome me. And he heard the Spirit of the Lord say this, You're not home yet, son. 
you're not home yet, son. And I wonder what it looked like when Stephen walked into those courts of heaven. I wonder what it looked like when he walked before that throne of God. I wonder what it sounded like. I wondered what the celebration was of a life well lived, of a life given in devotion to the King of Kings. I wonder what happened at that moment. And I'll tell you this, it made everything worthwhile. And I think so often we are living, our heart has found its home in the wrong place and we're living for the adulation of a crowd that can't give it. And God's asking us to put our heart in the right home, to make ourselves at home in Him, that, that we entrust all of our lives to Him and that we hear the adulation of heaven. Every time we step out into the world and do the right thing, we hear our Father saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, my son. Well done, my daughter. That when we step out and do something out of our comfort zone and share our faith with someone or um, uh, invite someone to church or pray for someone or comfort someone or um, answer the boss with a love when he's having a hard day and he's sh shouting at everyone around him, when we, we stand and we offer wisdom in difficult situations where we defend the innocent, where we stand up for the persecuted, where we behave like Jesus in our environments and we hear the voice of our heavenly father. Well done, son. Well done, daughter. And we're living for that sound in our ears. Romans 8 verse 15 says this, we did not receive a spirit that makes us a slave again to fear, but we received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. A scripture that we've gone to many times in Matthew 16 verse 19 talks about how God gives to the church the keys of the kingdom. You know, it's not just that we make ourselves at home with God, it's that God gives us the keys to the front door. <laughs> and we let in who we want and we keep out who we want. And as we hand those, handle those keys, we go to individuals and we unlock the presence of God for them. Amen. We show and demonstrate His love, His power, His nature because we carry keys that unlock his presence. And the question I would want to ask you is who has your heart? Who has your heart? The last thing he said is, Lord, do not hold the sin against them. And I don't know how we get that kind of spirit-empowered love because as you're dying at the hands of your persecutors, to stand like Jesus did and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Lord, forgive them. I had this fantastic story. I went to visit one of our connect groups and one of the ladies there, she told the story of how she had wanted to reach out to someone and without just one campaign and she couldn't find anyone and the only person that there was was this lady in the office. She's a black lady and this lady at the office is a white lady and this lady, white lady, continually makes racist comments. Yeah. 
And she was saying, God, who should I reach out to? Who should I show the love of God to? And immediately this lady came up in her mind. And she was like, no, God, anyone but her. I don't mind where she goes. She didn't actually say these words. You understand what I'm saying? She didn't say these words. I'm putting words in her mouth. But you know what? I feel like at that moment she was carrying the spirit of Stephen. And she was saying, God, forgive them because they don't know what they did. Father, I forgive this lady. And I've, my, as proof of my understanding that, my, that I have been sold out to you, that you have come and taken over me, that my life is no longer my own, she stepped out and she began to reach out to this lady started having conversations with her, asked her about her dog. She says, I've never owned a dog in my life. I hate pets. I never want to have one, but I asked her about her dog. And this is the story we are talking about, about us being a people that are so empowered by God's love that we are able to unconditionally forgive those around us. We are able to unconditionally love those around us. The, the good, the bad, the ugly, the disagreeable, the grumpy, the harsh, the policeman who calls you over for speeding, you know, just every kind of person. Ephesians 3 talks about God giving us the power to know a love that is beyond knowledge. It's so big. What, what God has for us is so big and so powerful. His love is so, so much more than we can possibly contain that the only way we can have this kind of love is that the Spirit comes upon us and gives it to us. Second Timothy 1 verse 7 talks about the fact that we haven't received a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. That's what love does to you. It makes your mind think right. Yeah. It gives you a power beyond your ability. And the question I would want to ask you is because love... We sacrifice for the things we love. Andrew eats broccoli to help my children. You know, we sacrifice for the things we love. <laughs> but my last question I would want to ask you is, what are you sacrificing for? Because we spend a lot of time sacrificing. We sacrifice for money. We sacrifice for careers. But there are only certain things that are worth sacrificing for. And that's Jesus, his kingdom, and the kingdom coming to the people around us. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So in conclusion, what do you see? Who has your heart? And what are you sacrificing for? Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that we don't have to do this alone. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are so with us. Thank you, Lord God, that your power is present to reveal to us a love that is beyond our human ability. Thank you, Lord God, that you are so able to invade this world, Lord God. Thank you that you have indeed invaded it through us. 
And Lord, I want to pray that you would come and fill us again. We want to be these kind of people, Lord God. We want to be these kind of people who are filled with faith, that are filled with grace, that are filled with power, that are filled with wisdom, a wisdom that no one can refute, Lord. Lord God, we want to be these kind of people. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, there are three ways we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. The first way that we are filled with the Holy Spirit, there, there are actually three ways we encounter Him. And Stephen had encountered Him in all three of these ways. The first way we encounter Him is by surrendering the Lordship of our lives to Jesus and asking for the nature of Jesus to come and dwell inside of us, asking to be born again. And the Spirit of God comes and dwells inside of us. The second way that we experience the Holy Spirit is that after we're born again, we ask Him for His baptism and He comes upon us in power and empowers us to do the miraculous, the things we could not do in our own strength. And then the last way we know Him is that we carry on in a, a conversational relationship with him and we ask continually to be filled again with his presence and so I want to invite you right now whichever place you're in whether you need to surrender your life to Jesus or you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit or you need just more of him we want to pray for that for you we want more of that for you so I'm going to invite our ministry team to come up, please. Anneli, I know you and two other people were leading baptisms in the Holy Spirit. Anneli, can I ask you to go and stand over that side? And if you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, I would love you to go over there in that corner and they will pray for you to have you baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you just say, gosh, I'm a Christian, but I, I just need more of Him. I need to be refreshed and set on fire again. I'm gonna invite you to come in to any of these ministry team and they will pray and believe for a fresh infilling of His presence. They will um, believe for just a, a newness in your heart and a new, a fresh experience of God's presence with you. So please come and ask any of those people to pray for you. And then in closing, if we could just bow our heads. If you are here and you've been in church or you haven't been in church, and you know that up to this point you've been in charge of your life, it hasn't necessarily been a bad life. But you know that God hasn't really been in charge. And after hearing this, your, your heart is stirred and you're saying, I, I want to live a life with God in charge. And if that's you, I would love you, I'd love us all to just pray this prayer together. And if that's you, you just pray it with faith. Lord Jesus, I come and surrender my life to you. Lord, I ask, that you would be my Lord and you would save me. You'd fill me afresh 
with your presence and you'd cause me to be your son and daughter. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. What I want to ask is if you prayed that prayer for the first time or for it's a subsequent time, but you really meant it, I'm going to ask if you would come and see me. I would like to pray specifically for you. Otherwise, church, can we just give the Lord a hand? And I want to invite you to come up and just get a touch from God. Um, I, uh, make sure that you get to one of these great people who's going to pray for you to just to receive more of his refreshing. If you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, head over to Anneli and Gudrun and uh, Josh in the corner there. They will pray for you.